Welcome to the Nursum Podcast, episode number three. I'm Landon James, a registered nurse in an urban emergency department and rural critical care transport nurse. And I'm Monique McLaughlin. I'm the emergency nurse practitioner in an urban emergency department. We're going to talk today about triage, a topic that both Landon and I are quite passionate about, and there may be quite a hearty discussion about some of the processes and maybe some challenges that we challenge ourselves about with this whole process of triaging. And probably the number one question I will start off with, should we still be triaging? You know, triage has existed in hospitals since the 1960s, at least formally, and there have been many countries trying to come up with a reliable method to assign acuity to ensure that the sickest patients are seen in a timely manner. Which begs the question, though, if you're not sick, should you have to wait longer? And so the whole concept of CTAS, when you look at what it stands for, is the Canadian Triage Acuity Score. But we are now looking at triage not just as assigning an acuity, but also as an intake process. And so I'd love to hear what you think about those two things. Well, so this has driven me crazy in various leadership roles, in various facilities I've worked in. And I find that nurses have trouble separating Mm -hmm. CTAS, which is assigning a single digit score to a presenting patient, from the process of triage, Mm -hmm. which I can do in two seconds from looking at someone, separate from a primary history taking, medication reconciliation. And that's where we've built this institution Mm -hmm. of triage being an area and a process. Right. But it's getting blamed on this action of triage and or assigning a CTAS score. So someone comes in, I can look at them and assign a CTAS score. Right. That's fine. They are assigning a number that does not need a history, that does not need medications, allergies, a set of vital signs. Mm -hmm. Where we're getting to is we've gotten to this place where a patient walks in and we are a barrier to their care for a good Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. Yeah. When... All they want is to get to the care. Yes. And so and so triage as a, as a definition of the term is when your resources don't meet the demand on the resources. And so if, if I walk into an emergency department, say it's got 10 beds and there's two empty beds and I walk in and there's nobody else waiting, triage is done. Right. You're going yeah. to the bed, right? I may ask one or two questions. Why are you here? If they have a paper cut, maybe I'll put them in a chair. If they're having abdominal pain they're going to the bed but the reality is i don't care what kind of abdominal pain you're having Mm -hmm. you're going to the bed right it's when there's no beds or no area that we actually have to triage right much like when you show up in an ambulance to a car crash if you're one ambulance there's one patient do you need to triage no there's one patient resources plus demand are equal If I show up in an ambulance to a a car crash and there's seven patients in one ambulance, Mm -hmm. do I need to triage? Yes, resources don't mean demand. So at that point in the the pre-hospital world, we turn on triage. Absolutely. It's always off. And then I'll show up to that one or two calls of your career where you turn triage on and you go through and you label either a colored or a numbered system. The hospital's taken a different approach. Triage is always on. Yes. And we're now struggling to turn it off. And so triage is a process that actually should be turned on. If someone walks through the door and I have resources, just ship them on through. Yeah. And I may need to assign a score. 
right. at some point. But yeah. the reality is, if you walk into my emergency department, I have a bed, I can walk you to the bed. While I'm walking you there, ask you two or three questions and know what my CTAS score is going to be at the end. I'm not discounting the need for a CTAS score as a, as a previous administrator. Mm-hmm. That's all we have in the emergency world to measure uh, acuity. And right. unfortunately, we extrapolate workload, staffing levels. We pull everything from this one number you got when you showed up through the door. So the number's important. Yeah. But let's not blame that number for taking 10 minutes to get their entire social history, whether they smoke, whether they drink, yeah. uh, print the Pharmanet, do a medication reconciliation. That's not CTAS. Exactly. And I think, again, that delineation of assigning an acuity score and then triage being an intake process in our heads has to be really clear because really how much information do we need in order to assign an acuity level? Especially in a big facility. I love it. It, A big facility. Mm -hmm. The nurse is spending five minutes asking them their entire medical history and then puts them in an empty bed. I always say, why did you do that? I actually couldn't care less what's wrong with that person. What's wrong? Chest pain. Don't tell me about your chest pain. I'm never going to see you again. Absolutely. You're going into a bed inside where a different team is going to take care of you. Why would I ask you about your chest pain? Because we do know every time the patient tells their story, they start leaving out important details. So how about have the first time they tell it be mm-hmm. to someone who actually cares? Yes. I don't care as a triage nurse. There's a bed. Put them in it. Absolutely. And it's interesting because years ago when I was the educator, well, the emergency residents used to spend a day out with me at triage. And at the end of the day, one of the, phys- one of the residents said to me, I will never work here because he had a really hard time not getting the entire history because from a medical point of view, when you go in, you want all that information. The challenge really is to get the least amount of information to assign an acuity score so you can get the patient to the place where they need to be. And if there's a bed available, can't we do that at the bedside? Absolutely, Absolutely we can. And I think you and I have, are both um, in that same mindset. Now, it's really interesting because when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I really thought about this whole concept that triage nurses feel um, this expectation that they somehow have to now, because of increasing volumes and overcrowding, that we're now the gatekeepers. And in my head, I started to think about traffic jams and traffic lights and how, you know, when you and I are driving downtown Vancouver in the middle of rush hour, you actually feel the traffic lights are against you because it's stopping you from getting, you know, one car goes through and you're like, seriously, I'm going to be here for three hours. And years ago, when you and I were in Inuvik, Um, I remember the funniest thing was on the tour book, they were actually talked about the fact that they had one traffic light. And the reason they had that one traffic light was so that when people were doing their uh, driving tests, that they had the they had to show that they could stop at a red light or an orange light before they turned on. And for they the did, most part, it was off. And they turned the traffic light on just while someone was doing their road test. Exactly. Other than that, they'd turn it off. Which goes back to your whole concept of maybe we should keep triage off, the intake process, if there's beds available, but when the, the demand... Um, exceeds our resources that we need to turn it on again. So very interesting for us to talk about that. And so the priority really, I think we as eMERGE nurses really have to check our ego at the door because I think we think that we are this all-important person that's going to do everything. And really the most important thing is to get the patient to definitive care. 
Um, we know that getting a patient to definitive care means that um, a primary care provider or an NP or an EP will see the patient start to initiate treatment, diagnosis, the whole thing. And they sh have shown that it actually improves patient outcomes, decreases length of stay, and increases patient satisfaction. Now, I am not discounting the importance of having a nurse be involved in that process. If there is a delay to care, then we should be able to support access to care by instituting patient or nurse initiated diagnostics to expedite that definitive care. So while I'm not saying that the only person who should be ordering tests or treatments like analgesics, uh, Tylenol, Advil, those things can certainly be within the scope of a nurse perhaps maybe not at triage, but we understand that sometimes there is access block to care because the emergency departments are overwhelmed. So how do we ensure to not be a barrier to care? And this is not really triaging at this moment um, when we're talking about that. How do we actually challenge ourselves to look at different strategies so that this whole intake process doesn't become a part of the problem of access block. I, I think one of the, the first things that we need to really get clear on in facilities and amongst teams is mm -hmm. when we need to be doing this Absolutely. and be totally accepted amongst the team that maybe in a smaller facility, 80% of our day, we're just going to be putting people in beds yeah. and I'm going to maybe get five or six seconds of chat. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to put you in recess or you can go to this minor treatment chair but I'm not getting the whole story and that's okay. Hey, yes, yeah. I, I think then we need to have some clear guidelines as a team in a facility around, okay, now we're pushing the red button and we're putting the red light on because no more cars can fit in the department right yeah. now. And that's when I think getting into talking about some of these strategies, mm -hmm. that's where we get into those. Is Absolutely. Now we don't have any more resources to meet our current demand. Let's move into a different model of operating but let's move out of that again yes. once our resources then again meet our demand. Absolutely. And, I, and there's very few facilities that I've been in that have mastered that. Exactly. It's interesting because what you're talking about really is the first strategy. It's this thing about no triage or straight back triage or immediate bedding or quick or bedside registration. If yeah. there's a bed, put the person in the bed or a chair or whatever it is. Use mobile computers. For heaven's sakes, this is the year or the the technology age for heaven's sakes we do have mobile computers and so that the care of the patient can happen at the same time as all sorts of things are happening so when there is access or when there are beds available don't triage up at the front put them into a bed and we can do all of that other assessment at the bedside. Excellent. Now there are some situations unfortunately where because there's access block, this is a huge issue about overcrowding of beds, admitted patients in eMERGE. We're not going to talk about that. How do we ensure that we're caring our mandate of caring for emergency patients, how do we access their care? And so there are some really innovative things and I know you and I work at different hospitals and have been exposed to different hospitals and we're seeing some of these strategies being used. Having a physician or an NP at triage, there have been studies that show that approximately a third of patients can actually be discharged using relatively few or no resources. And so having a provider at triage may actually expedite care. And that's a, that's a great point, Monique, is I, I, 
when I first started emergency nursing, I, I think I thought I was over important and, <laughs> and I, not to discount the role of an emergency nurse, but I'm actually quite proud and confident and comfortable now to say that there are a group of patients who don't need me. Right. And the, the perfect example being the ankle injury that comes through the door. Mm-hmm. I can see that it still looks perfusing when I look at it. Wheel you down. Why not just wheel you straight into the doctor's face, the right. NP's face and say, here's an ankle injury. Yeah. I don't need to do my 14 pages of assessment of this ankle injury. Just yeah. go see that person who's going to fiddle it around a bit, say you don't need an x-ray and send you home. Mm-hmm. That That's not a, it's not a discount on my profession. That's, that's none of that because there are equally enough patients who the physician or NP would be drowning if they did not have a competent emergency nurse with them. So absolutely, uh, that's great. The physician NP at triage here, go straight to see the NP. Why, yeah. why waste my, why waste your time with yeah, me? Absolutely. And you know what? I agree with you. We're not discounting the involvement of the nurse. It is very helpful for you to be able to prioritize who needs to be seen by you and who needs to be seen by someone else. Maybe that's what triage is. It is what triage is yeah. about is kind of resource management. That to me is what resource management is. I don't particularly need to do this, but somebody needs to do that. And we do that all the time as nurses. The most important patient uh, or person that this patient needs might be a social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be a patient care aide who needs to take them back to the shower to give them a wash because they're full of lice. Whatever it is, it may not be necessarily me at this moment in time. So it really is about resource management, which kind of comes up to the next point. There have been some emergency departments that actually have a team approach. So when a patient either comes into the bedside or maybe there's a rapid assessment zone or something like that, that there's a dedicated physician, nurse, and clerical staff working together at the bedside to triage them. Even having a lab person getting the blood work as we're doing things, doing um, the assessment in parallel so that we are not wasting or adding wait times unnecessarily. So I think that's a great concept. There's a, there's a facility that's really doing this really well at where the nurse and physician see the patient together. And uh, even to the point where the nurse is putting in orders in the computer as the physician is mm-hmm. assessing the patient, getting a history. And, and again, I've talked to people who enjoy that system and people who don't and say, well, I'm not there just to listen to what the doctor wants me to do. Right. And I say to them, but what are you there for then? Yeah. The physician's assessing the patient. You know what? I've actually worked some of those shifts in that area and I have learned so much from yeah. watching the physician assess the patient. Absolutely. And if you build that team thing, suddenly you find your hands on the abdomen with the physicians going, see, that's what the border of the liver feels like. Exactly. That's what the spleen feels like. And you go, wow, I learned that just from us working together. The cost of that, yeah, when he turns around or she turns around and says, put in a CBC, uh, I guess what, I type it into a computer. Right. I, that doesn't deflate my ego. That doesn't no. mean I'm less important. In fact, That means I'm kind of important because that patient's care would not move along had I not been there. But the education I get from that Mm -hmm. and the efficiency we get from not having to have a physician write on a chart, leave it in a box, someone else notices it in a box, then goes to a computer. We're just doing it live. Exactly. Which makes a lot of sense. And you know, to that point as well, Landon, very much like our podcast, where when you say something, it stimulates me to say something else, you know, Years ago, and I'm going to show my year um, age, but many years ago when I first worked in the emergency department, we had this. The physician and I would go in together to do that assessment. That's and when you used to resuscitate dinosaurs, oh, is that right? Oh, stop it. 
uh, way back when, yes, exactly, with my nursing cap and uh, my white shoes and white nylons. What was great about that is if they forgot something in their history taking and I could kind of figure out where they were going, I would ask a question. And many times at the end of the day, you know, one of the doctors would say, oh, gosh, I, I, you know, what a great question. I didn't even think of it. Now I'm going to be a little bit inappropriate, but I remember this case particularly where we had a gentleman who had rectal bleeding and the physician and I were in there um, and he asked him quite a few questions. I looked at the gentleman and I just said, did you stick anything up there? And he goes, well, yes, I did actually. I, you know, shampoo bottle, could this have caused uh, a bit of an injury? And I said, well, it could have, but it's good for us to know. And as we exited the room, the physician looked at me and goes, gosh, that's a really good question. I wasn't quite sure how to ask it. And thank God you asked it. So I do think having a team approach really does actually ensure that we don't miss anything. So I'm all for having a team approach because I do think we're better together than we are apart. It makes your day a lot more fun. Oh my goodness, isn't that great? Now, a couple more things that kind of would like to talk about. One of them is a dream, I guess, in, in today's world. But the FAST one, um, this abbreviated triage, Do and I think you and I both talked about this already, do we need all that information where we are? And maybe we need one person, one very experienced emergency nurse to direct people. Oh, you should go here. You're minor. You should go there and get a fuller history in those areas. So this abbreviated triage, quick triage, see and treat, uh, fast track, streaming, all of those rapid assessments may actually improve care. And I should probably let you talk about the last thing because you're the techno nerd. But this frustrates me so much that we don't have some type of quick kiosk registration. We do it at the airports. Why can't we do it at the hospital? Well, apparently when we walk through the doors of a hospital, we all become completely idiotic <laughs> and incompetent to yeah. do anything on our own anymore. And uh, there's, a, there's a few uh, facilities over the years that have implemented these e-triage or self-serve mm-hmm. um, triage systems. And it's interesting, this, the staff uh, in a lot of these places have resisted them and, and see it as, as taking their job away. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you'll ever find that. It's getting some of that information into a computer system. Right. And maybe a few questions around why are you here today and shunting them into different categories. It, it's interesting, you go to the passport office, they, yeah. they have a great triaging system there. Why are you here? There's about six buttons to push. Yeah. And when you push the button, your number isn't necessarily the number yes. uh, right after the person who was there just before you, because you're a quick thing. Yes, and they're exactly. a long thing. Yeah. And so they're smart. Let's get all the quick people out of here. Exactly. Because now I don't have 45 people staring at me who are just here to pick up a passport. Exactly. And that one who's here for the long, hour-long interview, yeah, yeah it, I'm going to be with you in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. but I'm going to get through 40 people before that. Exactly. And I definitely use this at triage. I know you do, having worked with you for so many years. Sometimes when you've got those three that are going to take a while and you've got 10 that are really quick, you grab all 10 of those, you disappear around the corner with those 10 patients, and you quickly blitz through them all yeah. because they're not sitting there staring at you Absolutely. anymore. And, yeah. and this is, it's resource allocation. Absolutely. You're obviously not walking away from the sweaty person who's trying to collapse on you to do exactly. 10 treatment patients. And we're certainly not going to send the sweaty person clutching his chest to a self-serve kiosk. I mean, no. that's why we have that ability. It's the 10 who've been walking around that yeah. we can quickly look at and say, go register yourself. Go register yourself. And then go down the route. Nobody's asking 
somebody who's doing CPR to go over there and do their self kiosk. So, you know, I think sometimes when people get kind of anxious about it, there are still going to be people who need bedside registration. There are other people, again, this turning on and off. If there is a bed, put them in there. If we our demand is greater than our resources, turn triage on, and then this is when we might need to send people to a kiosk because it's going to facilitate care. So I know we can talk about this till the cows come home. Uh, again, showing my age, using a very old phrase, but um, so be it. But I think at the very end of the day, I think you and I would both agree that we really need to challenge the system and ourselves. Just because we've always done it this way doesn't mean it's the best way to do something. And we should always be asking the question, should we be triaging? Do we want to be the red traffic light? We need to ask ourselves these questions and really recognize that the most important thing is to get the patient care in a timely manner. And yes, acuity is important, but really it's about getting the patient to definitive care. And you can assign acuity later. Absolutely, at we the all, bedside. We can do it at the bedside once they're getting the care they need. We know that that will work. Again, we've been there for a long time. Yeah, I'm excited to see what people are going to send us in about this because I'm sure that there will be a lot of opinions about this because it is actually asking them to challenge the status quo. So very interesting to hear back from you guys about why you think you're doing the system that you're existing in right now and what is a better system because if we were to talk about what the actual standards of the system are yeah that ctas gets blamed for much much of the time yeah the only standard that ctas has really come out hard in saying is you have to assess your patient within 10 minutes of walking through the door exactly everything else is a guideline Mm -hmm. and so we blame ctas for a lot of these things but the reality is CTAS has only said a registered nurse should right. see the patient when they first come through the door and decide where they're going within 10 minutes. Everything else is institutions we have built, yes. either with good or bad information, good or bad intentions, Yeah. but that's the only one that's really there. And yeah. I think we could achieve that if we dismantled a lot of these other Absolutely. systems that are taking up time. Yeah, and really triage is a resource allocation, isn't it? It's about, do we actually need it when we have beds available? No, we don't. Yeah. We need to turn it on when the system or the demand is um, overwhelming to our system. Then we need to turn it on. So it's using the right tool at the right time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening to the Nursing Podcast. We would love to hear your feedback about this podcast and suggestions for future podcasts. For past episodes and to comment on this episode, please visit our website at nursum.org. That's N-U-R-S-E-M dot O-R-G. You can follow us on Twitter at NursumCast and also find us on Facebook at Nursum Podcast. We look forward to your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, before incorporating anything new into your work, ensure you are supported by your own scope of practice, workplace policies, and your own knowledge and comfort. The Nursum Podcast is brought to you by PRN Education. www.prneducation.ca